Hi and welcome to this latest episode of Sepad Pod. I'm Simon Maybon and today I'm joined by two very special guests. I'm delighted that today we have Alexander Arafianto and Selena Salim joining us. Alex and Selena are the co-editors of a special issue of Religion, State and Society, uh, a, a special issue titled Sectarianization in Southeast Asia and Beyond. It's volume 49 it came out uh, earlier this year issue two and it's a wonderful uh, collection of essays that that reflect on some of the ideas put forward by Nader Hashemi and Danny Pastel beyond the Middle Eastern context I'll just very quickly introduce our two guests Alex is a research fellow at the RSIS at uh, Nanyang Technological University in Singapore and Selina is a doctoral candidate at the University of Liverpool Alex Selina it's an absolute pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome, Simon. It is a pleasure for us to be here as well. Yes, thank you, Simon, for inviting us. I'm, I'm glad that we were able to navigate these rather, um, rather large time differences, but we've, we've made it work. So I think that's, that's an initial success. Um, this is a wonderful special issue. So first of all, congratulations. Um, I hope you're very, very pleased with the, the results. It's wonderful. It's intellectually rich, theoretically provocative. So I think you've done a great job pulling it together. But can you tell us just a little bit about about what it is that you're trying to do with this special issue, please? Sure. Um, well, the idea for this special issue was conceived by us after we put together a panel on Muslim sectarianization in Southeast Asia at the uh, Berlin Conference organized by the European Association for Southeast Asian Studies in 2019. So this is two years in the making. One of the key questions we wanted to explore was whether there could be theoretical utility in engaging with the sectarianization thesis to understand intra-Muslim group divisions and rivalries in Southeast Asia. And later on, we expanded this exploration to context beyond Southeast Asia. Ultimately, we wanted to understand whether, you know, this thesis can explain divisions and conflicts that are non, uh, nothing related with Sunni-Shiite sectarianism that is prevalent in Middle Eastern authoritarian contexts. Right. Okay. That's a, a really useful uh, starting point then. But Alex, can I ask, why, why Hashmi and Pastel? What is it about the, the sectarianization thesis that really spoke to you when you were, when you were putting these panels together? Okay, uh, that, that, that's a very uh, good uh, question, Simon. Uh, I think, uh, well, if uh, for, uh, for listeners who are not aware of uh, who Hashemi and Postel uh, are, there are these uh, two um, American scholars who, in 2017, uh, they came out with this uh, uh, so-called sectarianization thesis which basically is a, is a critique of the many of the uh, portrayal of uh, uh, conflict in, in, in the Middle East, like the Syria, uh, Iraq, that, you know, many, many uh, lay commentators like, like to blame it on uh, sectarian difference between Sunni and Shia, between the different Islamic groups in these societies, well, uh, in in their book, uh, both both authors argue that uh, no, it's not it's not about uh, the uh, so much about the uh, 
uh, ideological or theological differences between all these different uh, Islamic groups in the Middle East, uh, but instead it's uh, uh, very political. It's basically, a lot of it has to do with the fact that uh, uh, po political actors in, in the Middle East uh, uh, are, are threatened by these groups, and they basically use uh, this uh, sectari sectarian differences as a way to divide and conquer them, and then also to retain so that and uh, political power and stay in power. I think uh, uh, my uh, my contribution in in this uh, uh, in this uh, edited uh, volume is that uh, I think uh, uh, yeah, Hasemi and Postel basically. In, in, in their in their case studies, uh, they, they mainly uh, talk about uh, uh, how uh, sectarianization work in the Middle East in a in a context political context that are highly uh, authoritarian. Well, uh, well, the contribution of both uh, uh, Salina and myself uh, discuss uh, Indonesia. Well, Salina discusses uh, Malaysian politics. Is that uh, both countries are uh, electoral democracies, mm -hmm. unlike the many many of the Middle Eastern uh, countries in the original original book. Uh, but still, uh, sectarian differences and political sectarianization uh, do uh, do occur in this uh, uh, in these uh, uh, two countries. And I think uh, we argue that you know, part of it has something to do with the fact that uh, uh, many of these uh, 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 that uh, Indonesia uh, Malaysian politics uh, are are basically even though they're electorally democratic. They have a lot of uh, illiberal features, uh, lack of respect for human rights, lack of uh, 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 lack of uh, uh, state capacity that that, that manage that, that allow uh, uh, that allow uh, alternative alternative groups to challenge the legitimacy of uh, of this uh, of the state. And in the case of Indonesia, uh, uh, these alternative group are conservative Islamists, mm. who, which challenges the state, uh, uh, the, the, namely the uh, the current uh, regime of President Joko Widodo in 2016, 2017, when they staged uh, you know a massive protest in Jakarta that uh, successfully removed uh, the president's ally who's the governor of uh, Jakarta and ousted him from office. And, uh, and following that, basically, you know, uh, the, the, the Widodo administration uh, follow up with the policy. He embraces one of these, uh, one of the uh, so-called moderate group, the Nahdatu Ulama, the largest Islamic group in, in Indonesia, as, uh, as his uh, ally, and basically pitted the group against other uh, Islamic groups, and then you know, and then in the process, you know, they they, they use you know highly sectarian you know uh, division that you know uh, are you know uh, might, might be rooted uh, in ideological difference, but actually are, are are political in nature because at the end of the day, it's just the desire of the regime to to to, to for to, to to survive to win to to win re-election in. 2019 that 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 motivated all of these uh, uh, alliances 
so there's some obvious parallels with with Nader and Danny's work there in terms of the um, in terms of the authoritarian or, or perhaps illiberal maybe is a better way of putting it. Um, yeah, I think I think I would I would say illiberal would yeah. be you know because uh, both uh, Indonesia and Malaysia are you know we, technically they are uh, electoral democracies sure. but have uh, quite a, a lot of illiberal features. Mm. So that That's would be in our piece. That would be a, a really key feature for for Nader and Danny, the the authoritarian dimension. So this this sort of play, the interplay with the liberal features, is is really interesting, and it's something that you um, that that you tease out across across both of your articles, but also uh, some of the others in the in the collection as well. But Selena, yeah. if I may, oh sorry, mm-hmm, yes. please carry on. Yeah, I was just going to uh, add one point. Sure, um, we were approaching this sectarianization thesis focusing on the active verb of it right it's an yeah. active process um and you know it's it's context dependent at the same time mm-hmm. we can be innovative in delineating what aspects of muslim identities we want to focus on in each of our case studies um so for example when um you know i'm writing about malaysia the ad- identity category i'm focusing on uh, is something really new. It's a new construct that happened over a 20-year period. So it's very different uh, when the sectarianization thesis is used in the Middle Eastern context. You're focusing on sects that you know, have this centuries-long history of uh, sedimented differences already. Yeah. Right. But it works. And, and that's why I, I think um, you know, the sectarianization thesis can be extended to context even beyond, um, you know, we're using in Southeast Asia, but in other country contexts as well. You've just done a wonderful job of, of sort of preempting my question there. So thank you. Uh, and I think that's a really interesting <laughs> and important point. But I, I wonder, just to pick up on, on, on this, I mean, you, you're taking, taking a thesis that was, that was developed and cultivated for a specific context, right? I mean, you just identified the importance of, of context and, and time and space. But I wonder what what other features were you were you wary of, or what other things did you have to hold in your mind when you were when you were traveling with Nader and Danny, if you put it that way, to uh, to to look at this different region and to look at the the process of of doing the sectarianizing, as you were as you were alluding to just then. Yes, yeah, so we have to look at the political systems. Right, mm-hmm. distinctive political systems um, that would be unique in each of the country contexts we're looking at. Uh, so, in Malaysia, for example, there is a racially divided system. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in which the Malays, um, you know, are dominant, and that's because if a uh, constructed national narrative about Ketuanan and Melayu, which means Malay dominance, uh, so that's a very central component um, that you have to keep in mind when you're looking at. The different country context. So that would be for Malaysia. Um, and for the different uh, country context, Indonesia has its own, um, you know, important elements. Um, maybe Alex, you want to talk a little bit about the distinctive political system in Indonesia? Uh, yes, uh, so certainly. Uh, I think, uh, I think uh, uh, because, uh, because Indonesia uh, yes, it is the largest uh, uh, Muslim majority nation in the world. 
but it is also uh, very very diverse with with multiple uh, different uh, Islamic groups that you know and uh, some 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 of some of the some of the, these groups like you know the group that I'm studying Nahdatu Ulama and Muhammadiyah uh, they do have this you know uh, sediment uh, historical rivalry that uh, that 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 become, that become seed for their uh, contemporary the contemporary political sectarianism that, that, that they are, you know, uh, arguing and, and, and fighting against in a more uh, contemporary times. But, uh, but, the, the, but the other groups, I think, if, if you look at some of the other uh, pieces uh, in, in, in the special issue, like, for instance, the, uh, the, the Aceh case study by uh, my colleague uh, Yogi Parmana, I think I think he, I think he, he, I think it has a very very different context. In 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 that case, it was about uh, the desire of uh, the dominant uh, uh, traditionalist group in Aceh uh, to basically uh, retain try to retain power and access to uh, financial patronage that uh, that the group received uh, because uh, because of their you know uh, dominance within the Achenese, uh, uh, uh clerical or, or ulama circle so basically you know once in order to you know stay in power and retain retain access to to, to, to state finances they basically issue fatwa against a wide range of uh, other Islamic group, Salafi, uh, Muhammadiyah, which is one of the major modernist group in Indonesia, against Ahmadis, uh, and so forth, that, that, that they perceive as potential rivals for, you know, uh, for their desire to, you know, to retain this you know, privileged status within the ASEANese Muslim commun community. Uh, for another Indonesia-based paper, uh, based uh, on my colleague uh, Sunarwoto uh, uh, from uh, Islamic uh, uh, University of Georgia, it's uh, it, it is uh, uh, it, it doesn't focus on political sectarian sectarianism as much compared to the other articles in a special issue. It was more this, you know, very micro. Uh, more ideologically based, you know, uh, uh, the uh, conflict between uh, two different uh, uh, Salafi group uh, in, in Indonesia that uh, lastly play out uh, within uh, social media because mm -hmm. what happened was, you know, Christians for both group often, you know, they, they produce uh, YouTube videos where, you know, they basically just attack the other group saying, you know, they're, they're not pure, they're, you know, they're not as uh, perfect as we are, uh, blah, blah, blah. But, but the difference there over there is more, uh, well, some of it are ideological, while others are, you know, basically they're, uh, as a way for for both groups to show, well, we're we're the more pure Salafi group, and therefore, you know, it, it was used as a, a recruitment tool to try to uh, persuade other group to uh, to basically, you know, to, to to other members, to potential members who have uh, Salafi leanings to. Uh, join the groups as well. So, yeah, I think I agree that, you know, I think that the strength of our special issue uh, the, to, to, to recap 
is uh, not just on the different political uh, contexts of, of, of the, you know, from, uh, from the Nadir and Dennis uh, uh, original, original piece, but it also highlights how this other, you know, uh, a micro level difference between, yeah. between, uh, between the different group and then also between, uh, between the local, local uh, political context as well. Yes. Um, Please, Selena, yes, sorry. I, uh, okay, I was just going to add, yeah. So yes, you, you have this important element which is looking at the structural factors such as the political systems, but like Alex is pointing out, the context matters. So you have contextual drivers, yeah. um, which is also an important element. So two of our papers in the special issue focus on this um, changes, political changes. Um, the Turkish paper, which is written by Ramazan Klinik, is an associate professor at the University of Omaha at, at Nebraska. So he focuses on um, the, uh, the, the contention between the AK Party and the Gulen movement. So both of these two groups are theologically similar. Yeah. And so ra rather than being grounded in religious differences, this rivalry, you know, if it came about uh, because they developed conflicting political outlook. Um, so for a time, that difference was set aside and they did so strategically to challenge the hegemony of the authoritarian state. Um, but as the AK party leader was consolidating his political position over time, um, you know, the Gulen movement became critical and we know, you know, that eventually led to their falling out. Uh, so Killing's uh, paper basically shows how uh, the sectarianization happened over this period of time. Um, now, similarly, the paper that I contributed focusing on Malaysia, I'm also focusing on the changing context. So you have the, uh, you know, the reformist uh, politicians gaining strength over a period of time. So this was part of a very specific moment in 1998, uh, the reform movement by a former deputy prime minister who was basically fired uh, by the Prime Minister Dan Mahathir and, you know, basically pro-democracy, um, you know, politicians and civil society coalesced together and they formed an opposing group. And this present, uh, presented a threat to the established uh, politicians. So that led to this uh, development of a liberal Muslim pejorative category that functioned powerfully as a divisive tool. And this was developed over time through this changing com uh, context of political comp uh, competition and social political crisis. So in the paper, basically, I show how that uh, developed over this 20-year period. I think that's where one of the other strengths of, of the collection lies. Uh, and it's one of the other, I guess, benefits of, of traveling with, with theory. And that's looking at, at the, the different applications and the different ways in which theory can be, can be applied, but also the, the empirical material can, can highlight the different, different strengths, weaknesses and approaches for, for, for theory. And I'm thinking here in particular of, I think you've, you've both mentioned it actually, this idea of not just looking at, at sectarian cleavages that are, um, you put it so nicely, Selena, about sort of grounded and sedentarized over over time. 
um, and I've I don't think I've I've done justice to what you said, so apologies. But um, to also look at the the construction, the manipulation of political and ideological um, divisions, uh, just as you were talking about with the, the the Turkey paper, and I think that's really fascinating. So can you just in the abstract just talk a little bit about about the emergence of political and ideological sectarianism? Just is it something a little bit different from what Nader and Danny set out? I think it'd be really interesting for for people to hear a bit about about what you understand by that from your um, from your your work for this special issue. Mm, okay, well, uh, basically, I think you know, as I mentioned earlier, the thesis thus far has been used to explicate the factors involved in Sunni Shia sectarianism, right? Yeah. Um, but it, I, as I mentioned, our special issue is highlighting that it can be used in, in a different way too. Uh, and it works. And for example, in the paper that I contributed for Malaysia, I'm using it to explain um, the elite's strategic construction of a new identity category that didn't exist in the Malaysian context. Uh, what, the, what this means, basically, there is no such thing as a pre-existing liberal Muslim category in Malaysia for political elites to even manipulate, right? Um, but why sectarianization? And this is what you mean by a process, sorry. Yes, exactly, exactly sure. that. So why, why sectarianization right, as a process? Because number one, there is the focus on the political context and the role of the elites. And this helps us to avoid problematic essentialist assumptions about religion and politics, right? Uh, that there's something inherently problematic about religion, right? It's, uh, this sort of conflict stems from religious interpretations. And oftentimes when you're looking and studying Muslim societies, we, we you know, people tend to fold on that, right? Uh, it's coming from the religious interpretation. Um, second, we are locating the instrumental role of the political actors. We are studying the power relations between these actors. And then we're also looking at the changing context. Right? So, so I think that's where the um, benefit is. It helps us to move away from this sort of essentialist assumptions uh, when we are looking at Muslim societies. Um, mm. Yeah, and I, I, I completely agree with uh, Salina on this one as well. And I think it, uh, it's uh, an our, uh, uh, our special issue, uh, I think, basically strengthens many of the uh, Nadir and Dani's uh, argument uh, about, you know, that, you know, uh, uh, sectarianization is uh, largely a uh, uh, political, political uh, driven instead of uh, uh, having to do with uh, ideological or, you know, theological difference between the different, you know, uh, Islamic groups uh, per se. Uh, but I think having said that, uh, I think we also added a lot of uh, uh, nuances into uh, into the uh, into the an original or into the original thesis, for instance, by showing how you know this uh, sectarianization can also you know occur in a different political regime, uh, democratic yet uh, uh, illiberal uh, illiberal uh, regimes. And also, it also uh, could could occur in a, a wide range of uh, wide range of uh, contexts that uh, even 
uh, even you know, like uh, back to Sunar uh, Wato's uh, piece again, even you know, ideological differences between uh, two uh, small, uh, uh, politically in, in, insignificant uh, Salafi uh, Salafi group in Indonesia uh, can, can can be politicized uh, so that you know it, it just a way for you know. The, the, the different group to basically, you know, upstage uh, each other and try to uh, try to win over uh, potential recruit uh, for uh, for themselves hmm. by you know basically portraying in social media that well uh, the other group teaches a wrong version of Islam uh, while while we're while we're teaching you uh, the right one. So, so yeah, so so it, it, so it also shows that you know it doesn't have to be you know uh, national politics uh, and uh, even even you know doesn't have to be you know, regional politics per se, but it can, it can also you know show how you know uh, how the different uh, religious group can 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 use uh, can can utilize you know uh, sectarian language to you know basically. You know, uh, try to uh, gain, gain gain advantage uh, between 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 the other groups. Yeah, that's that's an important point, Alex, that you are raising, right? With this um, piece by Sunaworto, so it doesn't have to be top down the way we think about it. Uh, I mean, the way it's been done uh, mm-hmm. thus far, right? Yeah. Um, that you have political elites who are doing the sectarianization. It can be happening at the community level as well. Um, like you're mentioning, these insignificant Salafi groups. I think that's uh, yeah, that, that's correct. And also, you know, in the in in Yogi's piece about you know the the conflict between the uh, Aswaja traditionalists and other Islamic group in uh, in Aceh as well. It's really really fascinating hearing this, and I, I've got so many questions about about. The, the the actual process of doing this and the 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 different cases the different contexts that we can we can apply this to but I, I wonder have you discovered any any limits in doing this do you think you've you've discovered any limits to the sectarianization thesis i mean are there any contexts or cases that you think would perhaps not be uh, not be suitable for exploration using this type of approach. Yeah, I, I mean, I was thinking about this a little bit, and um, you know, in um, Danny Postel and Nadia Harshami's um, definition of the sectarianization process, they did highlight one element which is important, which is a society that is already divided along sectarian lines. Mm. So, in all of our cases, I mean, if we look at it, there are some level of divisions already. Right. Um, even in Malaysia, where I'm talking about a new category of division, which is the Muslim liberal, uh, an important element of division uh, that was pre-existing was the racial divides. Um, so can sectarianization happen in a society where the, there is no such um, divisions already? Would it be much harder? That's something that, you know, we can think about. Yeah. What kind of divisions mm. you know, mm. are, are in, in place that people can, I mean, the politicians um, can manipulate? Sure. Alex, did you find anything? Uh, well, uh, I guess uh, uh, 
I think uh, I think for for the most part, you know, I think uh, uh, a lot a lot uh, the, the, the 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 thesis, you know, uh, can can, uh, can largely uh, uh, be applicable to to, to most of, most of the pieces. I think uh, uh, I think uh, I think uh, I think Sunar Sunar piece again is a bit more uh, novel in a way because you know the, the way the way he approaches it is you know a very very micro about these two uh, small uh, uh, sa- sa- uh, Indonesian Salafi groups and then the context of the conflict largely occurs over YouTube and Facebook and other social media outlets. Uh, and you know there there is very little there is very little you know quote unquote political conflict or political contestation in in this space unlike you know in in, in many of our you know, the, the rest of our you know uh, special issue uh, articles. But having said that, I think I think still it, it still has uh, some uh, resonance with uh, with the larger uh, sectarianization uh, thesis. I think I think one. I would say the the main uh, contributor of uh, Sunar Wotos piece is to, to, to the to the overall thesis is that how uh, ide- ideology ide- ideological differences uh, uh, are uh, do do play uh, a significant role in basically you know, uh, the practice of uh, othering the other group labeling them to be to be wrong or to be sesat or defiant. So uh, and I think uh, uh, it, it is something that actually you know in the in the previous webinar that you know we held with uh, Nadir and Dani uh, last May, uh, they they basically agree with us that you know one of the things that uh, they they underplay in their book was uh, the role of uh, uh, ideology yeah. uh, ideological differences and that uh, it, it it is something that. Uh, I think future scholars should try to uh, explore uh, and how how these ideological differences intermingled with the political ones, how they are being manipulated by uh, by the elite or by the group themselves. Uh, I think I think I think there is a lot of uh, uh, potential in you know, trying to uh, bring uh, uh, bring about you know how uh, ideo- ideology ideology play you know uh, some role in the in causing some of this uh, you know uh, political conflict uh, between the different groups. Sure. There's there's so much more work that needs to be done. Then I think on the basis of of your wonderful contribution. But also in terms of the, the the different processes and the interplay between these different ideas and ideologies um, that that you flagged up, not only in in the the Southeast Asian context, but also um, bringing it back to where Nadar and Dani were initially uh, applying it in the Middle East. So I think there's there's so much more work that that really has to be done here, and I'm I'm really thankful that you're pushing at these uh, these intellectual boundaries and uh, and taking us all on this this journey with you so thank you both of you for your for your time today and thank you for for editing such a wonderful special issue it's it's really uh, really uh, uh, an excellent collection apart from the afterward which maybe lets it down a little bit but um, the rest of the collection is such a strong collection of, of essays so a huge thank you. 
Uh, yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you as well, Simon. And you know, yeah. I think you know, this is this is this is not uh, going to be the uh, the final word uh, for this art, you know, collaboration on this issue. I think uh, we're planning to have this uh, uh, the, uh, to have uh, edited uh, uh, volume uh, coming uh, coming out of this, where you know, where we're planning to involve you know more contributors from wide range of you know different uh, different part of the world. Wonderful. And hopefully this uh, would materialize sometime within the next uh, uh, year or two. And uh, uh, Salina and I definitely look forward uh, for you know for the next stage in our collaboration. Yes, uh, thank you so much, uh, Simon, for contributing to our special issue. And uh, we hope that you will join us, you know, in extending this uh, to our book project at some point. Uh, and thank you for inviting us uh, to this podcast. I certainly will join you. So thank you again for, for inviting me to write your, your afterword and um, for inviting me to the book. It's something I'm very much looking forward to. And I've really enjoyed this. So once again, thank you both so much for your time. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Um, there's so much more to reflect on, and I hope that we get to do it sometime uh, in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thank, you. thank you for having us today as well, Simon. Thank, Thank you, you so much, both of you. A huge thank you to Alex and Selena there. And thank you also to them for pulling together such a wonderful special issue. Uh, it really is worth your time to, to have a read of this and reflect on how, how theory travels, how the sectarianization thesis travels beyond its... Uh, its initial intellectual home of the Middle East. There's a great deal of, of provocative material there, and it really is worth your, your time to have a look at it. So you can find that at the Journal of Religion, State and Society, Volume 49, Issue 2, titled Sectarianization in Southeast Asia and Beyond. It came out earlier this year, 2021. So a huge thank you to Alex and to Selena. I'm very keen to see what they do next but also to you for, for listening. As always, please do give us a like, rate, review, subscribe, whatever else you're prompted to do on these types of things. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>